everybody. Welcome back to Sweet the Ladies' Guide to Bro Culture. Uh, my name is Gina Bloom, and this is the podcast where I, a transgender stand-up comic from uh, in the L.A. area, bring on some of my favorite funny ladies from around town and have them experience the very best and worst of what bro culture has to offer. Um, and that could be a movie. That could be, uh, you know, a restaurant. That could be music. That could be a lot of different things. But... If you've been listening for the past few weeks, you know that we are nearing the end of our Fast and Furious uh, franchise marathon. After today's episode, we have just but one more to go. Yes, today we are talking about the fate of the Furious. Um, gosh, what are we? <laughs> this is this is uh, this is a special film. This is a special film. Um, I think. Uh, not saying it's a good film. But I'm going to say it's a special film. Our our first time initiate, uh, she's a stand-up comic in the L.A. area. Say hello to Rohita Kadambi. Hi, everybody. Hey, Rohita. All right. So uh, off the top of your head, give me your quick and dirty assessment of Fate of the Furious uh, as a film and as an experience uh, for you. Well, as an overall experience, I've never watched any Fast and Furious movie. I've lived at a very large remove from bro culture. I don't have a particularly bro-y father. I don't have older brothers. It was really me, my mom, my sister, and my dad growing up. And then I went to women's college. So I really have never experienced like just a lot of bro things Mm -hmm. all at once. And to watch the eighth movie into this franchise was quite the like jumping into like icy water yes eight movies. quite literally the icy waters of this movie um i thought part i could see why people find it entertaining Mm -hmm. but it was not my taste at all not your taste not my taste at all what Um, is your typical taste in movies by the way oh i love a period drama i'm very excited for autumn de wilde's (laughs) emma (laughs) coming out this weekend i i love Love anything where like a man is wearing a waistcoat and has fluffy hair and women say pseudo feminist things in empire waistlines like that's i i I hear you i hear you not also also not opposed i you know you can do both you can do both like you can do both um, you can you can watch uh fate and also little women yeah um, I was thinking a lot about that actually when I watched this movie because there a few months ago there were all those headlines about men refusing to watch their little women screeners because it set little women on it. <laughs> like for a long time, I've not watched Fast and the Furious movies by judging it by the poster. Oh, look at that! And I, now here we are. And now here we are. Part of me is like, I guess I was right a little bit, but <laughs> I mean, I still I get why people go see them. All right. If that makes it, any sense. It does, and we are definitely going to explore all of those things and more. Uh, seated next to uh, to Rohita today is our designated Fast and Furious Saga apologist. She is also a comic and writer. Say hello to the lovely Julia Prescott. Hey, I'm also here. You're also here. That's <laughs> right. You're also here. Um, so, Julia, you, you're a, you're a fast franchise of your fast saga aficionado but this particular film you had missed and give us uh you were talking about this before we started recording give us the uh the skinny on on your relationship to this particular movie um well this particular movie uh i think slaps 
it is probably the slappiest of it the is. of the fast saga. Yeah. Um, before I saw this movie, I'm gonna be honest. Like Tokyo Drift was my number one fast movie. Tokyo, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. yeah. It, it. I mean, we can get into Absolutely. how um, the continuity between the films and the lore of the films are at a Star Wars level of like consistency and yes. detail orientedness. Um, uh, well, but yeah. I actually so. Uh, my relationship with the Fast franchise as a whole may be very similar to your exploration mm-hmm. with it um, through this podcast because before, well, I'll say a couple years ago, um, a f- friend that you guys probably know, Brandy Posey, very talented oh, comedian. Oh, yeah, Brandy. She uh, is also uh, my neighbor, and uh, we've been pals for a while. And so she like sort of sent out a group text and was like, "Listen, I've never seen any Fast and the Furious movie. There's a new one coming out. I say we have a weekly viewing party, a bunch of comedians in a room, and we watch in succession all of the Fast and the Furious movies that is leading up. So wonderful, right? So we yeah. all approached it in a similar space of like kind of clowning on it and being like, you know, it had never reached yeah. out to us as something that we would ever want to get into. And then we like started the series being like, whatever. And then slowly in real time, we were like, yeah, fucking Dominic Toretto for family. <laughs> like we just got super into it. And so um, I, I really cherish my way into this mm-hmm. world because I'll always think of my group of friends that I saw it with. And now it's just like a really fun, you know, movie event to look forward to. And then uh, I actually wasn't able to see this uh, movie that we're talking about today when it came out because my husband and I were on uh, our honeymoon in Tokyo where we did sincerely wander around going, where did they shoot Tokyo Drift? Can anyone tell us? Where's the parking garage? Where's the parking? (laughs) We just wanted to see the parking garage. And then we like did a quick Google and it was like, oh, it was uh, Silver Lake. (laughs) (laughs) It was okay. You know, Um, But, but yeah, we were big fans. Did you did you do any drifting? (laughs) actually we um so because it it was our honeymoon um i'd never experienced this of course because it was fully paid for by our friends and family and i've never been on any trip like that we didn't do um any kind of like uh wedding registry of items around the household we just did a honey fund so we had a friend uh pay for us to do these like mario kart tours in tokyo on these little go-karts dressed up as um super mario characters and we did go on the freeway we didn't drift but i i feel like we got close yeah i'm sure you did probably the closest that the closest i will be to drift until i die you know that's the ultimate drift (laughs) (laughs) since you didn't see part three and you probably never will uh basically in part three rohita they they go to tokyo they they changed all of the characters just about and um they introduced uh, a style of racing that centers on turning irresponsibly, which they call drifting. Yeah. And I heard that that what I watched uh, Fate of the Furious with a few of my friends who had seen the franchise. Because yeah. um, I was like, I don't want to go into this completely blind. Wonderful. Um, good, good. And they said that Tokyo, they actually think that Tokyo Drift is the best one because it has the most racing. Yeah. I guess, yeah, okay, I I can see that. That probably is objectively true. The most racing is in Tokyo Drift, yeah. So they're like, that's, they consider it that one the best of the franchise because it is truest to the title of the film? Yeah, I just, I think, and, you know, I don't want to start, I don't want to start any beef here, like, between, like, like, The Rock and Vin Diesel have, which they (laughs) have, (laughs) 
I, you know, I like Tokyo Drift quite a bit. Uh, I like it, you know, because it has an Asian guy that's, like, romantic, you know, has, like, a romantic, like, quality to him, which they didn't much have back then. Uh, I, I am half Asian, uh, so it's, you know, that felt important to me. Um, you know, just to, just to clarify, I, I this isn't the first time I've come across this franchise. I've actually been watching it since the beginning. I saw The Fast and the Furious Part 1 while it was in theaters, and I actually... Uh, this is gonna make me sound fucking old, but I actually knew um, the producer back then. McGee, <laughs> not no. McGee. No, was well, it some guy? Just some, just one of the guys. <laughs> just one, just one of the Hollywood guys. Uh, wasn't one of the famous people, but um, I knew him, and like uh, we were trying to like sell him little punk kids. We we're trying to sell him a screenplay, so like we had to go see it to like you know suck up this Hollywood like you know super mega producer and it was called Redline back then um so like my my introduction to the Fast franchise even before it was even called Fast and the Furious that's how wow that's how far back my association <laughs> that's a deep cut. what was that's, it called it was, it it was called, called Redline, Redline. Called oh, oh Redline sorry 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 I thought yes. that was the name of the production company no 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 mm -hmm. that was the name gotcha. that was the working title of the film but like something else had that title that was coming out around the same time and um which also changes title weirdly but um that's so interesting because fast and the furious if you will say anything about it like you know barna not even talking about the movies themselves it yeah. is a good ass title it's a good it's ass a title strong it movie title it's very well branded too yeah. absolutely like, yeah it's the best thing i mean what a what a mitzvah for universal <laughs> yes <laughs> to have this basically the, all the movies are an extension of a theme park ride yeah and they have it they own it they it is now like a billion dollar franchise it, yeah. Is. Yeah. it is it's it's yeah. insane and it's getting and up theme there park ride. yeah yeah it's getting up there with the star wars numbers yeah i love yeah. it i'm so it's where, like the little engine that could i'm so happy for fast and the furious where is the theme park right is it here it's in here Universal they have hollywood? both in orlando oh. and hollywood huh. um hollywood is integrated into the universal tour so it's oh, not okay. technically its own ride but in orlando it is its own ride and i do think that they also have a ride in universal osaka I'm a big theme park nerd as well. Love it, love it, love <laughs> it. That's a wealth of theme park information right there. <laughs> that is all wonderful. It's uh, it's a thing. That's another podcast, though. <laughs> oh, no. we'll try to fit as much information into this episode as we possibly can. <laughs> all right, to uh, to get back to the the film at hand, though, without talking about you know the the meta story or the rest of the franchise, we are talking about Fate of the Furious. That is the eighth film in the franchise. Uh, of the Fast and the Furious, uh, clever title again. Fate, you know, F eight, fate. They 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 were working with something there, um, and uh, it came out in 2017. It did pretty damn good box office. It grossed again over a billion dollars uh, worldwide, um, and you know the critics weren't terrible about it. I think it's got a 67 percent. Uh, Rotten Tomato meter reading. Uh, it's got some pretty decent reviews. Uh, you know, kind of lukewarm, but you know they're 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 decent enough. Uh, David Sims from the Atlantic said, "Fate of the Furious offers everything you might want from the series, but those offerings are beginning to look ever so slightly stale, which is pretty par for the course for the positive reviews." Uh, uh, Richard Roper of Chicago Sun Times, uh, not as complimentary, says, "One of these decades, Dom and Company." will be saving the world in turbo-powered wheelchairs. That's his oh, two-out-of-four-star <laughs> review for Richard Roper of the Chicago I don't think Sun they're Times. quite there yet. 
you know? Like, I think that they're still pretty spry. They're pretty spry, but they're 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 men in their 50s, though. Um, and, yeah. like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is still, like, doing the occasional action film, and he's in his 60s. He's, you know, like, he's in his 70s. Now. Yeah, 70s. no, he's oh, up okay. there. Yeah, in fact, I, my roommate had... She's like a she's like a big Linda Hamilton fan. She rented um, the that, latest Terminator, that latest Terminator, and it was it was sad. It was like, I mean, Linda's fine. She's she's still kicking ass. But like Arnold, he just looked like a he looked he just looked like he wanted to take a nap. Like <laughs> Tom Cruise <laughs> is still making Mission Impossible movies. Tom right. Cruise, he's in his, he's but in he's his got 60s. the secret elixir that Scientology, Scientology. is running Absolutely. on. Tom so, Cruise is like know, some kind of yes, drinking the robot. potion. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the vitamins. He's got the. Mm-hmm. He's got the Whereas the you know, vitamins. Harrison Ford has a new movie coming out, and he's looked tired for two decades. So I just want him to have a nap. I know, yeah, but I don't get that with the fate of the Furious people in this. Yeah, they seem spry enough. They like, seem spry enough. Yeah, like they're, like I said, they're, they're men in their fifties. But you know, for for men, but for, they're rich fifties. They're so rich fifties. That's a line have, from Thirty Rock: "Rich fifties, middle class, thirty-eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like they have nothing else to do all day but work out, so they're fine. They're mm-hmm. they're they're doing fine. Like The Rock, Vin, all of those guys are doing fine. Um, so Fate of the Furious is the first film after the passing of uh, uh, Paul Walker. Mm-hmm. Paul Walker mm-hmm. died in a car crash, uh, not during the filming, but concurrent with the filming of of uh, a Furious Seven, and they wrote his character off uh, quite emotionally. I thought uh, at the end of Furious Seven uh, it was a weird emotional high point for this film. Not really known for its emotional content, this series. It's edging there. I it's think there's there. a lot of like parenthood vibes in this that'll there, yes. pull at your heartstrings. Yes, the, the family ties get stronger and stronger with every uh, successive film. This film concerns now the sort of post uh, Brian world of. Of the Toretto family and um, wait, so were Paul Walker and Vin Diesel brothers? Paul Walker and Vin Diesel were like best friends, but they they were treated like brothers okay. slash you know a little gay for each other. Like okay, were- so yeah, I heard a friend of mine call this series the Fast and Bicurious, <laughs> but I did not get any sort of bicurious vibes in this movie. Uh, I don't know about that, but... You know, Maybe I just didn't catch on to it. It just all I went mean, over my head. I mean, I guess like Hobbs and Shaw. Shaw. Between Hobbs and Shaw. Are like but constantly uh, winking at each other I don't, and like smiling. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, it's bicurious for guys that use like, you know, pejorative homosexual terms way oh, yeah, too yeah. longer. Like, you yeah, know, no, yeah, it's, 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 it's not really by curious. It's like mask in any for way. mask by curious. Yeah. It's kind mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's, it's like, right. It's like, it's not, it's not queer in like any like literal sense, but it's, but it's hella gay because it's a bunch of like strong dudes. Yeah. <laughs> and with like, that in mind, <laughs> just like flexing on each other for two and a half hours. With that in mind, I, I do feel like this is probably one of the more mature Fast and the Furious movies where yeah. the, you don't get the bro culture of, I mean, besides the beginning when it's women in Cuba with their asses hanging out, which right. I was watching with my husband and he was like, wow, I really thought that they like did away with that once it got like really serious and sad. And yeah. I guess it's just one last gasp one or last Cuba <laughs> is frozen in time one and last go around a pre 9-11 or yeah. something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I think the idea is that you know these characters have aged, the actors have aged, and like they've introduced like children into the series, and I like think one of them is married. 
they're married now and like that you know there's a you know we've learned that you know vin has has a baby and he didn't know about and, and the baby is so cute and the baby is very cute and, and then, his wife is very understanding of just this baby it's well, like we got married like a month ago and now we have like a one-year-old i mean if you had known what what letty and dom have gone through in their I, relationship i feel like yeah it's yeah. a pressure cooker of many different you know things of chaos that are yes. coming at them like not just emotional chaos but like nuclear attacks yes Yes. so i think that once you're in that zone i mean anything can happen and they did set it up in the beginning where she was like you could be a good father father, yeah Yeah. they did set it up where like do you want a baby it's like okay yeah and then instantly he has one yeah Mm -hmm. full-grown baby also also since you're not since you're coming like into this cold well you don't know the history of of letty and dom is that letty actually dies in the in the fourth part, so we think. And, oh, and she comes back and to she life. Comes back to life. They do that a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of dying. The trailer for the next one teases a character that we thought was dead and twice, twice. Oh, so twice. this is yeah. like a Colin. soap opera for men. <laughs> absolutely, this is absolutely. This is Shondaland for men. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. This is Shondaland for men. This that's probably the best. Probably the best like encapsulation of this. Yes, because yeah, they they come back to life. There's 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 amnesia. Like Reddit, Letty came back, but she had amnesia, so like Dom had to recourt her. But she had turned evil, and then you know in this film we think Dom has turned evil, evil. but it's about his son. It's about <laughs> his son, and he's all about the family. Well, it's the same as other like bro culture, uh, you know, landmarks of like wrestling is yeah. broy soap operas and absolutely. Yes. You know, they just they. At the core, bros just want a good story, they and they do, do want to be held, they but do. they can't say it themselves, so they need the uh-huh. vroom vroom to drown out uh-huh. that inner thought. Yeah. They need they need that. That's what we're saying, Rita. They need that. They need the vroom vroom. They need the boom boom. They need the, <laughs> they need the submarine crashing through the ice so that they can be like, it was about the friends we made along, along the, the way. way. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, I love it. I mean, it... I don't mean to get ahead of ourselves, but I would love to talk, if we're talking specifically about this movie, I would love to talk about Charlize Theron's white dress. White dress. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. yes I, need, I need to talk about it. Um, let's, let's do that. Let's discuss. That. Let's discuss, yes. So she she first appears to us. I, I also, I mean, her face is flawless. Absolutely. To yes, a point where it's like, I'm... I'm just in awe of it every time. It it looks carved from marble. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. but then she's got this white dread wig that she's wearing <laughs> that she then later we she first appears to us in Cuba where it's like kind of all hanging out. And at first you think, hmm, is this like a disguise that she has of like some American tourist coming to Cuba right. because the walls are open, baby, come on in. But no, that is like her twenty four seven look. Hair. Yeah. And when we see her later when she's being a serious evil person, it's like swept up in a very professional looking ponytail, but it's still, still a dreads. white dread at the end of the day. Still white dread. I just yeah. want to sit and like, I want to discuss like wh- how this character made this choice. Well, I just don't have so many questions. When and it was also like platinum blonde in a way that like she isn't normally like it looked like the yeah. white witch from uh lion the witch in the wardrobe mm, yeah. but like with dreads mm-hmm. yeah yeah That's... or like the or like the, the the twins from like the matrix reloaded like those like if you remember uh, that movie 
I didn't see any of the Matrixes. I think I know what you're talking about. Well, there's there's some white dread twins in the Matrix Reloaded that basically have Charlize's hair. Cool. So I, that may, may have been some weird <laughs> reference. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But they're bad. Like like Charlize, they're villains. Yeah. So that's 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 a villain hair. That's I will say hair. the <laughs> style and costuming of these movies feels like really trapped in two thousand seven. I was yeah or two thousand seven. Like the women, like Natalie Emanuel, especially I think when she's wearing just like a vest, it's like, are you at an Avril Lavigne concert? <laughs> right, what? right. The MTV Movie Awards red carpet. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a very mid two thousands look. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's I think that's pretty accurate because and that's when that's, that's when the franchise started, right? It Is came it? out in two thousand one, but oh. like it, um, but I think it, you know, I think it sort of grew up. I think you could say that it's like rebirth was in Fast and Furious because because they went through sort of the the wilderness with like too fast, too furious, where it's not even or it's like there's no Vin Diesel and then yeah. it's like part three of Tokyo Drift where there's like nobody from any of the films so i i don't think the current incarnation really came to be until the fourth part yeah and i think that that was around the time that it really ratcheted up to global warfare yes somehow along the way they became like better than the pentagon in tracking down the (laughs) big baddies of the world and today's movie is no better than interpol better than interpol Uh, because there was actually a line in this one where like interpol doesn't have our information i was like oh because they've got the god's eye (laughs) i don't know if you know this but in the first fast and the furious movie the whole thing was a heist to steal dvd players (laughs) that is why they needed to go vroom vroom fast yeah yeah. Oh, wow. And they now were stealing... we're talking about nuclear codes. Yeah, there was There's DVD players. a lot so. of timeliness to this movie mm-hmm. in reflection of current times. The Russians play a part the and a there's part. nuclear warfare on uh, the brink. Security, cybersecurity is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. There's like some bad actors, you know. Somehow the bros are in charge of everything. Somehow <laughs> the bros are in, well, that goes without saying, <laughs> but like, you know, there's. They're the most skilled vehicles men and women <laughs> is that the official yes. title yes. so of course the government was going to to you know turn to yeah. them i was honestly surprised um that kurt russell was a sincerely good guy because he has a way about him he is like a government agent that guides them uh, right, through right. for Nobody. those who haven't yeah. um mm-hmm. seen and he just has like this like shit-eating grin way about him that i was like waiting for his heel turn at any moment i'm grateful that it never came but I was like, he just shows up in ways in the movie where he's like chomping on a piece of gum and he's like, well, 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 here you go. I'm here too. And <laughs> Took it just, you long enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just felt like a heel turn in a way. But I don't know. Maybe they're saving that for the next movie. All right. All right. This, this discussion is fantastic. Uh, let's, let's, let's kick it up a notch. We're going to watch the, the trailer for Fate of the Furious. These mics will be live the entire time. So feel free to heckle and observe as you see fit. Uh, and we're coming up in just one second. All right, team, listen up. This crew is about family, but the game has changed now. Dominic Toretto just went rogue. You gonna turn your back on family? No, he's not. Spoiler. No, not not at all. Just went rogue. Don't give up on him so easy. We've only got one chance to make this family whole again. Don't do this, Dom. You ready? One thing I can guarantee. No one's ready for this. 
She's the very definition of high-tech terrorism. There's thousands of cars. Oh, that scene was actually like beautiful when the cars just like Oh, the cars all this shit New York City. All this shit is dope. Every single race is fucking dope. Yeah, it ruled. It's a theme park ride. London. Abu Dhabi. Cuba. Our paths have crossed before dawn. You just didn't know it. I think I need to remind you why you chose to be here. I got no choice! If you're gonna catch Dom, you're gonna need a little help. You wanna tell me why you just put me in a room with this teen crumpets eating criminal? You know, I think that tight t-shirt's cutting off the circulation of your brain. You should get bigger size. You guys are gonna work together. Love to. Oh, the prison break. Oh yeah, that was That amazing. was the part that I thought was like the most homoerotic of all of it. It's, yeah, it's pretty homoerotic. And they, there's like a few of these prison breaks in this series and they're all pretty homoerotic. They just don't give up, do they? You thought this was gonna be a street fight. Is that a torpedo? Take the wheel. What? This is crazy! Yeah, the rock can catch torpedoes. That's what he Yeah, they just touched the <laughs> torpedo in one of the scenes. I was like, that's how that works. He's the rock. He can do that. I don't know why you're doing this, but I know one thing. You love me. Back again. All right, that was the trailer. The boys for are the back. Fate of the Furious. Oh my god! Yeah, that's that, that was pretty fucking dope. I gotta say that that trailer. It's it's not it's not a thinker. I I can see that as as a fan of the of the cinematic adaptations of Louisa May Alcott. Yes, you may not. You may not, you know, that may not be your cup of tea. But like, it I, doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Um, They're exactly. not hurting. I mean, I think, I listen, I went to film school. Yes. I, I hate to bring this up, <laughs> but I went to film As school. As did I. I majored in film studies. I did not, so I, do I, tell. I would never in any class study the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> um, but I think that, you. I mean, you like all movies, you can't judge them across the board from each other. It's not like you can judge a Taco Bell double-decker up to a prime rib at a fancy restaurant. You know, they're just within their own context, yeah, within their sure. own category. Mm -hmm. And I would say that for these Fast and the Furious movies, which I was reminded a lot of that recent Martin Scorsese quote that did get taken out of context, mm -hmm. but the, the basic... The thing about Marvel movies. Just, yeah, Marvel movies are like theme park rides. This is a theme park ride, and why yeah. the hell, hell not? not? I enjoy the hell out of them. I think they're really fun. Also, the thing is, like, they know exactly what they are, which I guess they should by eight movies in. But mm -hmm. they know exactly, like, the beats of what they do, and they do them real, real well. So 
when you go to these, you have to open your heart to them and just surrender to the ride of the Toretto family and be surprised by all the goofy, crazy sequences that you're about to be treated to, like the cars raining down from a parking garage. What an idea. It made me wonder, I my creative brain doesn't think of things like that in a movie. Yeah. Like, how, yeah. how do you brainstorm that? Okay, what's another way that we can crash a car? What's another way that we can explode a car? I love that The Rock can handle a torpedo. <laughs> I love that these people are superheroes, and I love that they are leaning into it. I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw, but I want to, because they're setting the hell up for like in this movie they are setting up that movie so so much yeah, yeah. from what i've heard hobbs and shaw is more of like a buddy comedy with action in it than like an action film that has these one-liners hobbs and in. shaw is is i mean it's very much in the house style like you, yeah you're gonna enjoy it uh it is. It's not the full family, but it's like two characters plus I a couple do, other ones. But I love The Rock and I love Jason Statham. Yeah. What I will say about both of these gentlemen is that they are showing up to work in these movies. Absolutely. And you know what? Charlie Theron was showing up to work too. I kept wondering. She is just. Well, I know they're setting her up to be in future movies, but like this is her first time entering the Fast and the Furious universe. Okay. And so she's like playing game in a way that I feel is like very confident and focused. Yeah, get that paycheck, Charlize. Yeah. Do this so you can do more like Oscar winning shit yeah, that doesn't do necessarily pay as much. Yeah, yeah. But she's, I, I think that she's doing more than getting a paycheck. I think that she's like, you know, there's a lot of um, acting while wearing dreads going on. There's a lot of snack acting that <laughs> yeah. she does. Um, snacking. Snacking, and, snacking uh, with dreads. She, yes. for the most part in this movie, is just standing on a plane in front of a screen. Or oh, yeah. she's in front of a computer going, yeah. well, what else do we have? <laughs> do them. Okay, no. You know, it's like that's I have her the whole... baby. <laughs> yeah, she she does she's been given a lot in the script to work with and I think that she shows up and makes it her own and I fully believed her as being super evil probably because she plays like a a popular bitch very well too. Yeah, she, she does. Yes. This is I very mean, much we, in her I mean, did we see today. Bombshell? She can play yes. Megan Kelly, oh God, another yes. and you great villain. Felt, well, you felt for Megan Kelly in that movie. So, at least I did. Maybe I was wrong. I felt for Megyn Kelly because I kept remembering it was Charlize Theron on the inside. But with the real Megyn Kelly, I don't necessarily feel Mm. that way. I think we were... And that's another podcast. Yeah. Um, It's one of those things, though. Just, you know, it's it's like lesser of, you know, two very evil evils. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Megyn Kelly versus, like, Roger Ailes. Ailes, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Obviously, there's only so many places your your sympathy can go there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Let's talk. Let's talk for a second. She's not much. She's not in this film very much, but she's definitely in it. Let's talk about Helen Mirren. <gasps> oh, I, I love. Oh, she's amazing in everything. As as like an aficionado of period things. Yes. Anything with a queen. Anything with an old British lady. She, when she showed up, like two thirds of the way through this movie, I yeah. was like, Oh my god, it's like an oasis. <laughs> yeah. Her Cockney accent is incredible. Yeah, she's um, amazing. I was. She can do anything. Uh, I would like to see a, a Fast and Furious movie where, like, she's behind the wheel. I feel like I would be interested for longer. Like, she's well, featured, she was in that movie, Red. And she's also featured, not super prominently, but much more prominently in in Hobbs and Shaw. She is because uh, she's Shaw's mother, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's another Shaw sibling that pops up, so she's got the whole which they family. alluded to <laughs> yeah, in this the movie. Whole family, yeah, she, they, they really she were manipulates him hearts. emotionally to do her bidding. Yes, can yes. we talk about the rock? Um, being the coach of a soccer team for young girls. <laughs> and I, when I he had to explain that. Taylor Swift 
was Tay-tay, like, yeah, he was like, it's Tay Tay. It's like, what is that, sir? Taylor Swift. Copy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's explaining who Taylor Swift, who has been famous, what now, 13 years yeah, to it's, men? It's, <laughs> yeah, that's I true mean, it's, men, yeah. it's very apparent throughout this entire um, movie that it was written by men of a certain age. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And all the pop so. culture references. But, you know, this is not a genre language that I speak fluidly. I don't, I appreciate action and I appreciate action sequences and try to mm-hmm. excuse me <clears throat> implement them in my own writing but i don't speak the diehard speed of a certain era kind of action yeah, movie sure. that fast and the furious is and so even with that like my belief is suspended because i'm already like you know right in the driver's seat with them so to speak and so all of like the corny jokes like the tay tay stuff and all of the other like little like one-liners like you know that are on the level of like hasta la vista baby basically Uh i was fully like thank you like i was i was so excited for those little popcorn kernels as they came along the way but I do want to talk about like that scene where the rock is, I mean, there's again, going to the family themes of not only the rock and his daughter, but um, Dom and his baby. And just like, I guess the mortality all around for everybody in the Toretto crew yeah. um, and how we see it in like those dark themes, but also the light theme of using um, the rock and his um, Hawaiian heritage right polynesian polynesian yes polynesian yeah to i i was proud that he was um using that part of his heritage in this movie to inform this character and it made for a really funny scene with these soccer girls that are very intimidating because they're like pounding their chests i thought that was really great um and like i hate i mean i hate to turn to the fucking cheerleader because it's really not a strong film compared and i know that you're not a fan rohita but it's really not a strong film comparatively Hobbs and Shaw develops all of this stuff. The oh, the, the, the daughter comes back. Uh, Helen Mirren comes back. The, they actually go to his like home, you know, village in whatever island it. he's from, and he they meet his they meet the Rock's mom shows up, and like she's like played she's by played by some Polynesian woman. Like, cool, <laughs> some, some woman that I I did not recognize. She could be. It's very likely she's a big star in whatever part of the world that she is, because they they do that. They they slot right, in like right, big right. actors. Oh, because this is a very big global franchise. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me because it's not like very dialogue driven. It's not very like somebody whose second language yeah. is English could very easily understand oh, yeah, what's happening yeah. in this film. Right. Absolutely. Like, um, let's talk about the wrecking ball in that Berlin chase. Oh yes. Oh, that was yes. super gnarly. I want to say that's like the second big big. Um, chase yeah. that we get after the Cuba chase, which, I mean, the th- big standout from that. And then it's the New York chase. And, and then, then it's the New York chase, right. yeah. It's really, it, I mean, you would think of that, that wrecking ball scene would be something that you would like, like, wow, that was really memorable. But this is the same movie where they dump an entire parking garage full of cars off off the top of the of the garage and, and then hack into every cab in New York <laughs> yes. to make them go down Fifth Avenue in one direction. Which, you know, those those cabs are too old to have yeah. those hackable computers. Anyway, that's that's just my <laughs> little like <laughs> like nerdy little quick. That took you that, out? Yeah. That <laughs> took you out of this universe. <laughs> those those taxis are from from before they had network computers. Like, you don't you're not fooling me. Yeah. Um yeah, and then like, but like they also have like the heat-seeking missile and you know the torpedoes and the submarine crashing through the ice. So it's hard to keep up with like something that in like the fifth part would have been like 
a huge moment like the the wrecking ball sequence and then like oh that's the climax no this is like I know but that's what I love about these movies that it's like they are in on what they've already established with it that like it is so detached from reality yeah these are it's basically a superhero movie but with normal quote-unquote normal people but they have these superhuman human abilities superhuman abilities yeah to go vroom vroom to go vroom vroom and and with the Nas um you know turbo tanks or whatever um, that I love how that's maintained throughout the whole franchise. They really, they they really like to work that stuff in there. All right. This is also the first time, like, completely changing the subject. This is the first time I've seen Ludacris since Usher's Yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, I did not know Ludacris, that Ludacris. Oh, he's been alive and well. Existed yes. outside the world of like middle school dances. He continues. <laughs> Ludacris has Ludacris has like he he has a steady paycheck. He and Tyrese are like. Happy to like be, you know, paying the that rent. relief. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Tyrese is so painfully unfunny, but then he like is so painfully unfunny and trying to be the funny guy that it bounces back it bounces and then back comes into back bunk. into. Yeah. See, I didn't understand Tyrese's purpose because I thought The Rock was the funny guy because like The Rock and Jason Statham had all those like quick one liners yeah. between each other. And then I was like, you seem like a superfluous character. Absolutely. But like Tyrese, his his like narrative function is to be the guy that calls attention to the absurdity he's mm-hmm. like this is crazy and my like, car is orange right <laughs> right he's yeah. always going for the impractical cars that are flashy yeah i yeah. like that i know that about his character yes. and i don't need anything else yes he's the one that's like this this is insane has anybody thought that this is actually a crazy thing to do and then they're like oh tyrese mm-hmm. and then they just carry on with their plan well i think that in that way like the crowdedness of the casting of The Rock, the Jace- Jason Statham, yeah. um, Kurt Russell now, like Dom and all these other people, when it was just four or five of them, it right. was a lot of breathing room to show all the holes in their character development and the painful scenes of them trying to eke out something that would pull at our heartstrings just naturally yeah. from their character conflict. But now there's no fucking time for that. <laughs> We've got seven more cast members and they're all big. Big budget leading man action stars and we've got a lot of people from game of thrones for some reason and yeah because yeah, yeah, i think probably because that show wrapped and right. now like yeah we've got two people from two. game of thrones yeah and so now there's no time to even like you know marinate on the fact that tyrese and Ludacris are secondary characters yeah. we just love them and their whole story in in the movie is that um, they're trying to win the heart of the other Game of Thrones actress. Yeah, and speaking of her, Natalie Emanuel, I didn't even know she was on Game of Thrones because I did not watch Game of Thrones either. <laughs> and I recognized her from Mindy Kaling's Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, she was great <laughs> in that. I, I didn't know she was actually British because on that show she plays an American living in London. But this time she was British. I was like, oh, she's the actually world, British. The like, world this thing creates. Yes. All right. I do. I want to play another clip. This is the scene where um, it's like a two parter. We're going to okay. do we're going to we're going to play the scene where um, we're basically Charlize's character, Cypher, the, mm-hmm. the greatest hacker in, of all time, introduces the, the stakes. More women in STEM. <laughs> yes. There you go. Absolutely. That's very woke of them. Yes. So she's a she's a. A thought leader in STEM and a woman. But um, it's where she introduces, you know, Dom's kid. And that sets up the stakes of the film. And then we're going to pay it off, uh, you know, with the 
the uh, the greatest way you could pay off uh, introducing a baby is having uh, Jason Statham carry around his oh that was amazing during a fight scene and shoot up a plane load full of full of bad guys. All right, so the first part we're going to watch um, that and discuss the ever important uh, issue of family in the Fast Saga. One second. Whatever happens, just save our son. So the thing I didn't get about this is like this woman yeah. gave birth to this baby and then she doesn't name it because she wants <laughs> she, his father to name gave, it. So what gave, has she been calling this baby for a year? Well, she gave it a middle name. She gave okay. him a middle name, like and then, but she doesn't give him a first name. But isn't isn't that by default the kid's first first name? name? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, like that's not how names work. Like for calling him this, that's his name. I just let the guards go, so there's only two opponents in the room. Rhodes has the gun, so you'll take him out first. I know you. And then you're thinking, Gwen is a cop. Maybe the two of you can fight your way out of here. So much to think about. So this cop character was introduced in Fast Five. Let me make it easier When he thought Letty was dead. a bunch of axioms but only two you really need to concern yourself with one i don't know if that's a real thing choice theory no game theory exists game theory exists and competition theory exists i don't know about choice theory there's a lot of pseudoscience in this movie and we're just gonna let this gonna let them do their thing yes but she's smart so she she knows all these axioms uh there's also a scene closer to the end where she's talking about the only reason you care about your baby is because of evolution <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> which right. was a very like let's make middle america more scared yeah. about things they you know <laughs> can't and don't read that's true yeah i hadn't thought of that like they made they made a villain out of evolution all of a sudden i was like where did when did we get here though <laughs> Damn liberals. This hard right turn we took into hating evolution. <laughs> because I'm ready if you are. Very whispery uh, performance by Charlize in this scene. If I pull this trigger and God knows I want to. If I killed everyone on this plane, I still couldn't get in there. Because you're a two-man fail-safe system. Since I'm alone! I got no choice. I think that's the most emoting I've seen Vin from Diesel Vin Diesel do ever. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm very proud of him and his was acting chops. Was he not as emotional when Paul Walker died? I assume that would have also been extremely. Yeah, yeah, but he's. We're seeing him, if you followed the franchise, um, you see him become a better actor in real time. Oh. That mm-hmm. is true. Yes, yes. He. Um, you know, he's not really known for his acting chops, but um, as the emotional palette of the films uh, expands, his his acting does improve uh, as it goes along. But, like, they they didn't really address Paul Walker's death in Furious 7. They wrote the character off in a more, like, wistful way. Like, he just left to go be a dad. 
yeah. just disappears. He just he he drives off into the sunset and he diverges uh, from from you know from Dom at the end. But like that scene, yeah, it's that weirdly competent acting from from Mr. <laughs> Diesel. I'm proud of him. He wasn't. I mean, he's had some like. He's had some like legit directors. I think Sidney Lumet directed him as a. He played a lawyer, like a mob lawyer. Oh yeah, that's right. In like some movie from early on in his career, yeah, he had hair. Mm -hmm. Really strange to see. Um, but yeah, as far as like this incarnation of of Vin, it's probably the most acting we've seen out of him, you know, in quite a while. Oh, there is one other scene that I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. made me draw this kind of like visceral parallel to rom-coms um it is the scene where they are selecting from all the cars that they oh, could possibly yeah. have i was like this is every shopping montage <laughs> this is the scene in sweet home alabama when like she gets to absolutely. pick her ring out at tiffany's absolutely this yeah. is like i was like wow capitalism found its way in absolutely and yeah. everybody has a capitalist fantasy in their movie regardless of genre mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. is the particular capitalist fantasy even, yeah of... they even set it up that they have to like it's even like a point of conflict because like the kid the the, the young fbi guy like he, he, hold, he holds the uh, keys clint eastwood's the, son yes yeah, scott eastwood was, he holds the keys to the good cars he's like no you can't have the tank yeah you can't have the lambo mm -hmm. but then like then he's like all oh, bets are off there are no rules and then he gets the orange lamborghini right then he breaks open the you know the lockbox, and then tyrese takes his orange lamborghini and just you know wrecks it on the ice because it's a stupid car to have you know on a glacier but you know hey that's tyrese that's a that, that's our boy yeah <laughs> tyrese gonna do what tyrese does tyrese is gonna tyrese that's but yeah that's i was like oh this this is a rom-com for men when i saw this was the, when i saw that exact scene absolutely yeah all right so we saw that really quick and i just want to play these scenes in quick succession because now we're going to pay off that that emotional like beat and it's weird because they inter they bring in an entirely different character to pay off that sequence, like they they make a, a big deal that it's Vin Diesel's baby. But then oh, they yeah, Jason, Jason Statham, Statham saves Statham the baby. But then they they make up for it at the end when he asks him on the yeah. rooftop, "Why'd you you know?" It's it's all about the web. Like right. I said, the it's Star Wars the level of continuity yes. and consistency. <laughs> yeah. um, they are setting up. They're referencing the brother that Jason Statham has. They're really yep. digging deep into his character's psyche that he values family as well, even though he these are all outlaws that have been drawn together through various circumstances and yeah. now they are all learning how to love in real time. And they have to do this because they have to go through a lot to redeem Jason Statham's character because he's actually the murderer of one of their family members. So it's Statham is the one that murders the 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 guy that's no longer in the franchise, Han. So now they have to bring him into the franchise and solidify that relationship. But it's going to set up the ninth movie. It's going to set up the ninth movie because the trailer is out. Because <laughs> it's coming out like in a month or so, right? It comes in out May. In, in it comes May. out in May, May twenty second. This, let's watch this baby rescue. It's real quick. Just a minute of of amazingness, and uh, then we can. Um, Give our final thoughts on Fate of the Furious. Go for a ride. He was very kind to put uh, Beats by Dr. Dre on that baby. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> and it's uh, the Alvin and the Chipmunks yes. Christmas yes. album. <laughs> Sensitive man. Could they not get the rights to Rafi? Oh, that's a good question, yeah. Where's that smile? 
I think Rafi is not as, um, like, noticeable. I think not as known. I feel like Baby Beluga would have been, like, a good baby. moment there. Mm. You sick bastard. You're not gonna want to see this. So cute. Is that you or him? Because that's how babies communicate. All right, so that's the that's the one-two punch of those two scenes, and I, I I wanted to bring those two in order because like it's a redemption arc for both Vin Diesel and for Jason Statham's character in a way that I think Fate of the Furious doesn't does that the other films don't do in that these movies are all about family that they really love to hump the family thing, but they're about brotherhood. This movie is about fatherhood, fatherhood. so mm -hmm. now these men are maturing. Of course, they're you know. All like I said, they're all in their fifties, so they're you know they're well past the age of, you know, being practical fathers. They could be grandfathers at this point. But no, Elton John had a kid, and he was like sixty some odd. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, men can have kids. I can you know, have kids whenever. Forever. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you know, I think I think Hugh Hefner like had like. But are these Steven Tyler biological yeah. children, or are they adopted? I mean, that's a that's yeah, that's also that. true. But but like I think what now that Paul Walker has left obviously the franchise it can't really be so much about brotherhood anymore mm, mm -hmm. and these characters have aged and they've gotten married and i think that now they're moving into fatherhood and i mean look, the rock already has that the teenage rock has, daughter the rock has a teenage daughter and now we're showing you know statham he's 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 like a good he could be a good dad and i think i think that's what these films are trying to impart now to the men that have come up with them like these men that started when this franchise is in 2001 they were probably like 17 18 years old and now you know years later they're in their 30s if not 40s if not 40s and yeah they could be they could be becoming dads now too and so now the film is showing them the franchise the has again. like grown up with them absolutely that's my theory on it that's why i think that you know why these themes are coming up in the films now um and that's it that's that's how i feel uh like rohita so we're reaching the end here. Have you learned anything uh, about the world of men from watching Fate of the Furies that you didn't already know? I mean, it it's very loud. Um, the world of men is very loud. I, I did <laughs> live in it for a long time, and I agree. It is a very it, loud it's, world. It's a very Which is ironic loud... since they always call women shrill. It is. Yeah, yeah. There are so many like high-pitched screeching noises from cars, yeah. but apparently Elizabeth Warren is just too much for everybody. <laughs> it's just too much. <laughs> it's just too the much. wrong kind of screech. Um, so it is, I, I do stay away from action movies because I do tend to get like headaches from the loudness of theaters. Yeah. And I, if I do watch an action movie, like a Star Wars, what have you, I'll watch it in the comfort of my home where I can sure. control the volume. Sure. And this was a situation where I was constantly turning to my friend being like, is the volume lower? Can we like decrease the volume? Like I felt very old watching <laughs> this movie. Like it's a little too loud. Um, I I guess I haven't seen the full like eight movie franchise to see the character development that you guys are talking about. Uh, I mean, it's not that radical. It's not that. <laughs> it is there. It's there. Um, but I did see some parallels to movies that I watch. I understand why people watch it. But then at the end, I remember like during that last action sequence when they're in Siberia, where like 
the submarine comes up out of the ice. I was, I paused it for a second and I was like, there's still 20 minutes left in this movie. <laughs> like it, it goes on longer than I thought. And it was yeah. very loud. <laughs> I was like, yeah. men are yeah. very loud. It's, a, it's long and loud. Yes, that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, it's like hanging out with a man. All right, Julia, um, your first time watching this film, but you're a long time uh, lover of the franchise. Give us your summation. Uh, what you what Fate of the Furious has brought to you that the other films have not. Well, as I mentioned, Fate of the Furious slaps. Um, <laughs> it is so great. It feels like you are watching a action movie rock concert. And I will also say that um, the story is not as convoluted as some of the other no, Fast and the true. Furious yeah. movies. And I absolutely 100% commend any action movie that has a story that I can clearly follow. I've made a lot of comparisons to the Star Wars franchise over the course of this podcast. And I will say that part of where Star Wars sincerely loses me is when um, they talk about space politics. I don't want to go to Space Congress. We don't want to do I don't I care who's yeah. uh, writing the legislature for space. And um, I appreciate Fast and the Furious in a similar way for giving us these bits of story that, you know, build to a greater whole. And we are all fighting the same big bad, which is Charlize Theron and um, global warfare is imminent. And so you can wrap your mind around that. You don't need to know all of the complexities of this government agency meets this whatever, whatever. I think that they have refined this well-oiled machine, pun intended, um, to a point where they can plug in and go and trust that the audience will just be so excited. Um, I I know that it, this is a billion-dollar franchise, and I should not technically feel this way, but it does feel like the little movie that could. And I think that... It kind of does, because it started... A little billion-dollar movie little, that could. <laughs> well, it... I, <laughs> Let me, let me explain. I, I feel like every time I see a Fast and the Furious movie, there is a look on all of the main cast members' faces. And I think that this is um, reinforced by the fact that you don't often see Vin Diesel appearing in other big movies. That's true. And yeah. you don't often see um, the woman who plays Letty. I forget her name. Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. You don't see her in a ton of other things either. So it does feel very personal that they still do the Fast and the Furious movies. And I especially felt it while watching Fate of the Furious that there is just this like feeling that you can sense in their faces as they're acting of like they're excited to still be working with the same crew and in a way cannot believe it themselves that Fast and the Furious has lasted this long it feels like very much like the plot of their first movie a giant con all right that is all the time we have Rahita Kadambi let everyone know where they can find you on the internet and around town uh you can find me on Instagram at Rohita R-O-H-I-T-A period Kadambi K-A-D-A-M-B-I um around town I'm doing a show on February 29th at uh junior high in Los Angeles and then I have a bunch of other shows coming up in March you can check my Instagram for all those Love it. And uh, Julia Prescott, let everyone know where they can find you on the internet and uh, around town. Yeah, I'm at Julia Prescott and all the things. Um, I am one part of a Simpsons podcast called Round Springfield, where we um, interview people who have worked on The Simpsons um, about non-Simpsons things that they've done, like movies, TV shows that have been canceled, other lovely things um, that is appearing on the Maximum Fun Network. And if you're an L.A. uh, adjacent or L.A resident um you can come catch my monthly show at the lyric hyperion it's the jp lecture series 
have a Julie Prescott lecture series. Uh, A lecture series I've been doing since 2016 that started in Meltdown Comics and now we're at the Lyric and have been for a couple years. Every month I gather a panel of industry professionals and we pick a central topic to talk about breaking into the industry so the upcoming ones yeah Yeah. upcoming ones are um march the third saturday of march we're going to be doing a showcase or sorry a spotlight on guy branham and his career and talking about um, being a staff writer and then pitching his show and then selling his show and then starring in his show and then becoming this uh, published author and many other things that he's done that are terrific and then in april um, we're going to be uh, talking to the writers of big mouth so that'll be really fun come check that out awesome uh and uh as for me uh my name is gina bloom you can find me on all social media at gina bloom j-e-e-n-a-b-l-o-o-m uh right here on sweet lady's guide to bro culture every week on the more banana network and you can also find me if you're LA adjacent. And this is embarrassing because schedule conflict with Julia every third Saturday. <laughs> oh, no. But mine is from 4 to 6 p.m. Oh. So mine's a good pre-party not, for your not Saturday a conflict night. conflict at all. Yeah. Because you can go from Julia's lecture series right across, uh, just, you know, right there in Hollywood. Stay in Hollywood because you can catch my monthly show at the world famous Cheetah's uh, strip club called Make It Rain. Uh, uh, March uh, 14th, every third Saturday of the month. And this month we are having Joel Kim Booster as our headliner. Oh, so cool. He's the best. He is the best. I so your him. Saturday is already set. You're going to you're gonna listen to... Get uh, smart and then yes. get... I can't rhyme. <laughs> We're going to get naked. It, yeah, it I was trying to yet, do a pervy rhyme. and it, I, didn't, I was like, the closest I got was get shart. And that is not <laughs> that's a not thing that you should be do. aspiring to. Absolutely do not want any sharts on my show. It's the last show you want to shart on because it will be noticed. Anyway, um, <laughs> that is it. That closes out the mainline franchise. We've reached uh, almost the end. We have just one more film to go. Hobbs and Shaw, and then uh, make sure you join us at the end of the se- at the end of the season for the big live episode for F nine. Uh, otherwise, that is it. Thank you guys for listening to all eight of these uh, Fast and the Furious movies. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if evolution is the only reason why why we why we love babies, but <laughs> <laughs> but hey, don't argue with a lady in STEM. All right, have a good night. <laughs>